0: you're listening to an irreverent podcast visit irreverent fm for more content from our friends hello everybody and welcome my name is janice Legata, and this is god has not given an evangelical podcast featuring me and my failing faith and conversations with my friends and family And this is me at the beginning of a journey to the past. In the first episode of this season, I admitted to Wes that in some ways I'd been keeping the episodes within my comfort zones. There are some areas I just wasn't touching. But over these next couple of episodes, I'm starting to venture a little more into some of my own personal tensions. And so right on time, in this episode, I'll be talking with a friend who, as far as people who have been on the podcast, has known me the longest. So get ready to take a little trip with us. From Sydney to upstate New York, from a questionably named church plant to this questioning podcast. It's episode 2.3, and here we go. When I first saw you. friend Ajene. Let's see, Ajene and I met in 2005. Yeah, so you have the honor of being the person I've known longest thus far. Unless I have a family member on here someday, your, your record might stand. Yeah, so we met in 2005 in Sydney at Hillsong Bible College um, and I don't, I don't remember when when exactly we first first met. My first memory, and like when I'm like, oh, oh, I think we're friends. I remember there was a night when you were like, I'm gonna make butter chicken. We're gonna have butter chicken. You're gonna come over and have dinner, and I'm making butter chicken. I said I was gonna make butter chicken, and you did. And I came over (laughs) and we ate butter chicken and hung out. Yeah, so that was 2005. And then you went, you came back to the States before me. And then when I came to the States, we both were living upstate in New York. You had been there Uh a year and a half at that point? No, no, no. It was was about a year. Uh About a year. A year. Um, I came and within two months, (laughs) I was like, I got to get out of here. And yeah, depending on who's telling the story, I may or may not have corrupted you. (laughs) Warped your mind and stole you away from upstate. We ended up moving to the city, ended up joining a certain connect group, (laughs) ended up launching a certain church, and yeah, you've been like my predecessor at all these ways. You went to Sydney first, you came back to New York first, and then... (laughs) you abandon ship first. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. And yeah, so that's uh we we go way back. Way
1: back. Well, that is really funny cuz I don't remember the butter chicken. My first recollection of you you were vacuuming <laughs> one of your uh quote unquote servant jobs. Um and I was sitting at the computer in the events office and I just remember you coming around past my desk and I don't know if you had circled it once or had gone into the youth and came back and I was still sitting there and I was just like okay yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna make her my friend. I don't know why. I'm just going to make her my friend. And that's, and the, the the vacuum cleaner was called Rocket Pack. And that's how I came up with your nickname, Rocket Pack. Rocket mm-hmm. And um, Builder. That's right, because, bless God, I worked at Build-A-Mail Workshop for two years, I think, um, standing on my feet. But it was fun. Actually, it was really quite fun um, until church people found out that I was working there. And then it was like, uh, this is this is my space, even though it's in the Uh, mall.
0: Like, why are you why are you here? All right. Well, we'll we'll get into that because we got a, a lot of memory lane to to walk on down. We met at, you know what we say, Bible college. But I was thinking about this the other day. And I was like, it's actually not Bible college. It is leadership college.
1: True. That's right. That is true.
0: <laughs> I was like, that's how they get you. Because they never claim to be good at this. <laughs> we put that on them.
1: <laughs> you know what? I was thinking about yesterday, maybe. Maybe it was Monday. I said, if only I had stayed awake in our church planting class." I may have avoided all of this stuff. But alas, don't sleep in class kids. You might
0: you might miss. So anyway, we met at the Leadership College, the Christian-based Leadership College. So we were Christians. It's questionable as to whether or not I still am. So, Bilda, what to you are three things that make someone a Christian?
1: Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, gosh, that's a good question. Let me, let me think about myself because I think I would still, I still secretly identify as a Christian mm-hmm. um, because I still wholly love God and Jesus and the idea of the church. Right. Um, so that's one Number two, I I still wholly love love, which which then goes back to number one, right? Who God is, who Jesus is, and who the church, what the church should represent—love and justice. Mm, yeah. And then I I wholly love people as well, right? So, um, which obviously goes back to one one and two. Now, does that mean people don't get on my nerves or sometimes I don't want them to get beaten up or whatever? No, that doesn't mean that at all. But wholly, I, I, I love them. I love humanity and have chosen to dedicate my life to making the lives of human beings better as best I can. How I can and where I can. Now that doesn't always work out because geez, we live in a world that is unjust and a world that is broken with systems that are built upon the oppression of some as opposed to others. And so it's it's a it's a decision to undo those systems. And I I feel as though that is an integral part of who i am as a person but also as a person who identifies secretly as a christian mm-hmm. and so i feel like people who don't who don't see love and justice as the root of their relationship with god with jesus and with humanity i i've not that I am in a position to question or to judge. I simply can only say that, as as I view my own life, the lens in which I view my life, that is how I see Christianity.
0: All right. So based on that, I love justice. I love people. I don't know that I can honestly say that, like, I love God anymore. Um, I. Definitely don't love the church. I love the idea of it. Sure, Yeah, I love the idea of church too. I like, I don't, I like God, but I don't know. I feel like we were raised to, yeah, be like, oh my God, I love God. I love Jesus. I love, and I, I feel like disingenuous saying that now, (laughs) like, and maybe because they're, they're so, they're more like concepts to me now. It's more like ideas. So I like them but I don't know that I could say that I love them. Sure. So I don't know what that makes me this week.
1: But I, uh, you know what? I think <laughs> I think there's value in that because one thing that I had to do was walk away from church. And that that walking away caused me to go, you know, to to reevaluate everything that I knew about God, everything I knew about Jesus, everything I knew about the church, my relationship to all of those things and my relationship to other Christians and to non-Christians, um, to the world, right? Um, and how I fit into the world as 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 a human being, but also as a Christian, quote unquote. Um, and so I think that, I think for many of us, the question of or the decision to honestly assess our, our standing or mm-hmm. our, our questioning about God as, as a being as opposed to a concept is valid because when we think about it, the only people, I mean, when I think about it, the only people who told me that God was God were white men on the majority and so now looking as I come into my own understanding of my relationship with God and my own discipleship outside of the church I'm beginning to go "I, I don't know why I allowed you to tell me anything and I think that that that's part of gosh that's part of the the deception right that is that is the church the church as a building not the yes. church as as this beacon or as this this idea that that is written about in the bible right so we box the church into this this space that is sacred, um, quote unquote, and and allowed only certain people to give voice to what they believe God is saying to them, but it's outside of an acknowledgement or a, a reconciliation with history. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about colonialism. Let's talk about imperialism. Let's talk about oppression, like, like sexism, ageism, racism. So, I mean, (laughs) all the isms,
0: all the archies,
1: all of it. And so now, as I stand on this side of my salvation, um, my relationship with God, I'm like, I, I don't want to listen to your podcast. I don't want you sending me no Bible verses once a week. I don't want to read your book. No, I don't. No, 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 I, no. I don't want you to tell me about how my marriage should work. No, no, I don't know. No, nah. yeah. because you are an oppressor. <laughs> like, you're not, you're not about my freedom. You're not about me having the fullness of life and love and you're not. You're about keeping me boxed and manipulated and distanced and, and under the impression that this is exactly what God wants. Me isolated from other people that he has created. That doesn't, that doesn't sit well or sound right, but yet you are marketing this and we fail for it. For decades. Yeah. yeah no, nah, I'm done. Tapped out. Well, you're done. How'd you get started? Listen, I, you know, it's, I don't know, actually. Because I'm black, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's just, let's just throw that out there. I was born in church. Or if I wasn't born in church, I, I was born at the hospital and the next day or the next Sunday my mama brought me to church like that that's how it goes right Right. and and even though I was thinking about this the other day too even though my mom often would not go to church she always she always made me and my sister go Mm -hmm. drop us off come back and pick us up where are you going Jan where exactly how you gonna make us get up Get dressed, and you gonna drive off, <laughs> leave us here with these people on purpose, and not just one vacation Bible school this summer, all of them, all of them. <laughs> every one of them, in the city. Oh, we're gonna go to the—I don't know those people. So I mean, I—I I mean that was that was childhood. My most vivid memory of. My relationship with God being a public expression, we were living in Dayton and I remember being baptized at Mount Eden Baptist Church and I was young, I don't know, maybe, maybe third grade, I don't know. And I I vividly remember that. And then, you know, life happens I don't really remember much about a lot of stuff. And then we moved to Alabama and well, that was culture shock and just strange and whatever. And then I remember, remember sitting on a retreat in Gatlinburg with, my youth group at the time, or the people that were my friends who I had gone on this trip with who were a part of this youth group. I don't know that I was necessarily a part of the church or whatever. I just wanted to go. And I remember sitting by the fireplace and having this revelation of some scripture. And I just remember weeping and going, okay, God, I'm i going to re rededicate or whatever you want to call the, the term that we used back then, not that I had fallen off or that I had gone you know buck wild and crazy and anything like that. I don't know, I just remember sitting there going okay i'm gonna I'm gonna be purposeful in this, I think, perhaps it was like tenth grade, I think eleventh grade I remember reading that trip I read titty jakes's Um, Daddy's Little Girl. And the guest speaker of our trip was Roosevelt Hunter. And he was like, he was probably one of the first black men outside of my pastor at Mount Enon that I was like, wow, wow, black, black men who are navigating the space that is white Christianity. You know what I mean? Like, cause we have the black church and then you have the white church and then you have black people who infiltrate <laughs> the white church, <laughs> which is like, which was the space that I was occupying. And yeah. so to see, to see this black man occupy this white space was really like, it was shocking to me because outside of that, I, I don't know that I had ever paid attention. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then it was like part, I think also as part of my understanding of what I think God was also teaching me about fathers and because he was becoming a father and he was talking about that and just like, I I don't know. I mean, I think it was at that, that juncture in my life, there was like so much going on. And so, and so, yeah, so I did that. 11th, 11th grade ish maybe. and then two years later or one year later I graduated from high school and then went straight into a discipleship program called Master's Commission. did that for mm-hmm. uh, four years did that and I taught I taught Bible at the local Bible school, the high school and after packed up my stuff moved to Australia. And uh yeah, um moved to Australia, was like I'm gonna be a worship leader and um it was awesome, my dream was awesome, and then I got to Australia and you know, like I think about my arrival in Australia and you know that was the first time I had lived away from home. So I traveled before, but living away from home. Am I talking too much? I feel like I'm talking a lot. Okay. Um, I guess it is my story, though. And then you
0: asked. I'm like, yeah, let me jump in here and tell you.
1: <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, it was the first time I had lived away from home. And so it was a bit of homesickness. But it was also, you know, there was this, this, this excitement about being in a space where I thought I would learn from the people who are doing it, right? You're going to Australia to learn music from the people who are doing it, from jump and doing it amazingly. And so there was such this, this buildup, this excitement, and I mean, I was I was doing anything I could to stay right. And I remember walking into the hub, Ooh. the old building, the yeah. hub, and walking out, walking out the back stairs, yeah, um, and looking down. There's this bush that was in a smiley face, and I thought. Well, these people, this is like the happiest place on earth outside of Disney World. (laughs) Like, even the Bushes are happy to be here. I mean, that, like, that was, that was the, that was how it made me feel. Like, I was so, I had to overcome homesickness. But I was like, well, this place is really great. Like, this is going to be awesome. And I'm going to make friends. And it's going to be wonderful. I'm going to be friends with Darlene Check and It's just going to be great, you know, and it was all good for, you know, a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, um, I stayed there for three and a half years, Australia, and obviously met Janice Rocket Pack and then uh, moved back home. I worked at Compassion International for a year and a half, which was amazing, I love it still very much am an advocate for and a sponsor of children through compassion um which came out of my which came out of my my time in Australia like I had never heard of compassion and so um because of, of a mission trip or a sponsorship trip whatever you want to call it that uh Hillsong did uh to was to Uganda. So I came back to the States. I worked at Compassion International, which is amazing. Loved it. Love love love. Still love. Um and then from from there I moved. I moved to I moved to upstate New York. And honestly, I moved there with such hope. With such Mindful of the possibility, right? Hopeful, honestly, like truly, truly hopeful, and with such love in my heart, and friendship, and just just ready to, to, I don't know, build the church, right? That because that's why I went there to build the church,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, then a year and a bit later. I was like, I, I think I'm going to drive my car into the reservoir. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then it was like, okay, instead of driving your car into the reservoir, how about you sell your car and move into the city? And so that's what I did. And then it was, you know, why are you moving into the city? To build the church again. And I was so excited again, hopeful again, ready again. And yeah, that was that. And that leads us to where we are, (laughs) where we are now. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think I remember telling my youth pastor in master's commission, I remember telling him I got saved to make a difference. And everything about my life, I wanted to make a difference. My, my individual life, my married life, my family life, like all of that. I wanted to make a difference. So that's how I have endeavored to do everything that I've done, you know. And so when, when I feel as though I am stifled in that ability then there why why do I need to stay here? Mm-hmm. You know? So I mean I think that's true with that's true with every everything on the journey, with the exception of compassion. Cause I, I feel like I could have had I not moved, obviously I wouldn't be where I am now, but had I not moved, I would still be at compassion, loving on those kids and, and figuring it out. But I think I would need to pick up compassion and move it outside of Colorado Springs because that was a hard place for a person who doesn't like the outdoors.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you and I, we, we started the Hillsong launch team together. Yes. Well, actually... Can you remember what the name of the church was before it became Hillsong? (laughs) Harvest?
1: Did it start with an H?
0: No. When when I tell you what it is, I'm going to be like, ah. You're going to be like, oh. And then you're also going to be like, that might be offensive. I don't know. Uh Uh-oh.
1: do tell now, because I don't want
0: to remember. I'm not offensive, but, but like, I look back on things now, and I'm like, that was a sign. <laughs> or that would that would definitely, like, bother me now. No, the name of the church was Urban City Church.
1: <gasps> right. <laughs> yeah, that does bother me. <laughs> right. Right. That is, really? Mhm-, And we were the only two, urban. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: <huh. laughs> Wasn't there was nothing urban about West Street? Nothing not at all. Yeah, but I mean, like looking back on it now, I mean, I get mad at myself for so many things, um, and then I have to give myself grace. Like, she didn't know; she just she didn't know. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But even because I'm just like everything about it, like the fact that these two whiteys moved to New York. First of all, none of us had any business planting a church in New York. None of us were from New York. So first of all, how dare we? Right, Right. 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 Second of all, like, again, like you said, like this church was located this Connect group was located downtown West Street. At the time, we didn't know. I mean right. we would have yeah, we would have known <laughs> Harlem and Uptown or you know Right. right, A little more sketch, I guess. You know, a little a little more urban, you might say. But I loved Harlem and I loved it. Yeah, yeah. They weren't I mean, gonna come to Harlem. I mean no, never, never. Um and Rightfully so. Like, <laughs> Don't. Don't. I mean, actually, today, they would come to Harlem. Right, because there's a Whole Foods on 120th Street. Right. Because it has been sufficiently gentrified. Um, but yeah, so first of all, none of us had any business trying to plan a church in New York. We don't even go here. <laughs> it's like, What are you doing? Um, but yeah, like urban city church. So they thought... This was urban, and you're living, yeah, downtown in the most suburban part of New York City. And then I'm just like, we were all just a bunch of dum dums, and they're kids. We're all in our 20s, early 30s. Like, just all these reasons, you just have no business doing this, you know. And you, you can confirm because I mean I think about it and I'm like sometimes did I make this like it just seems so surreal but just like like the switch that was like flipped the difference in them from when it was Urban City Church to when it became Hillsong you know what I I didn't think
1: about it until I I read your your blog and I was like not but not just them, all of them. Any any person who became suddenly a part of the staff or the leadership team, we were friends until we were no longer friends. And you like, wait, you we yesterday. were friends yesterday? Yesterday. Or, you know, <laughs> yesterday. Yesterday. We had brunch together, all of us, no name, nobodies, sitting. I remember sitting Upper West Side, having brunch, all of us, and then, oh, sorry, you you can't answer my text message? I'm sorry. You don't, you don't, oh, okay, that's, oh, wait, what? Now you're, now you're staff? Where did, you just got here. You, you just got here. Yeah. Yeah. Because I sure remember when Janice and I were cleaning up the bathroom. Listen, Cleaning up the kitchen, mopping the floor, and y'all weren't here. Yeah. yeah. Just so you know, I I remember those days.
0: Mm. Yep. Yep. And then That's I remember. I remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. You know, the connect groups, because at first, you know, we're just meeting at the diners and hanging out and mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like, oh, now it's Hillsong and people are coming. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, I had. I just got on Jess's bad side early for whatever reasons. Um, like she liked me at first and then
1: (laughs) working with her right at the
0: daycare. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I don't I might be a little too willful. I don't know. I think my own thoughts and I, (laughs) you know, I always have, I don't, it's it's a problem. A little, a little too thanky. (laughs) Um, I remember, and at the time and, you know, feeling like, oh, I think, yeah, I think I'm being punished. Um, but, you know, oh, it's Hillsong and we're trying to do this great thing and uh, we'll we'll get past them at some point, you know, whatever. But like when, I don't know if it was the first time Carl and Laura were coming or if it was when Brian was coming, I don't know. But, you know, they gave assignments to everyone and I got assigned to the elevator bank. Like, I wasn't even going to be inside. Like, my job the whole time was to stand outside and, like, direct people from the elevator. What? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember... At at West Street? Okay. Yeah. And I remember, oh, like, I am... I'm definitely being punished right now. And, like, she's doing whatever she can to put me in my place. So I can't even, I'm not even going to be in the room. But then at that time being like, well, you know, maybe I do need to be humbled. Maybe you got to, we're all servants, right? And I don't, somebody has to do it. And why, why shouldn't it be me? And you know, how arrogant is that? And you know, whatever. Isn't Isn't that so
1: weird though? isn't isn't that just i mean looking back on it now you like dang how did how did i lose my sense of agency how was it just slowly 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 chipped away unknown to me because i think i think about the the days and weeks even that i set in the utility closet putting faux fur on mm. thousands of pairs of rubber gloves for color conference by myself or the days that I had to label unstick and then restick labels on the chairs on yes. the yeah,
0: remember you doing yeah, that. The stickers,
1: yeah. Yeah, uh, in the auditorium. And I just, I remember physically and audibly saying to the team, this is the job that they do in hell. I know they do. They have to by themselves. This is, this is punishment for people who do, who choose not to love God. Like, this is, this is what they do. Like, why, why am I, why? And then, which is this is completely an aside to that servant, that chipping away of my agency as a as a servant as a as a person willing to do whatever it needed to be done, like to take yeah. advantage of that, right? But then, as a person who had a mental health issue, a mental health crisis um, during some of my years in Australia, to then be. Sidelined or blacklisted mm-hmm. or mislabeled, I vividly remember being called aloof um because I was struggling A- and and I mean what could I do? I was twenty four hours away from home,
0: yeah,
1: there was no one there you know i I was doing the very best I could talking to you know, the people that people were pointing me to, um, taking medication and trying to manage it on top of school, on top of serving, on top of sitting in a room for hours by myself. And so it's just like, there was really no room for us to have to maintain our agency, whether it was because I can think for myself or because I have this mental health issue or because I just don't feel like doing that today.
0: Right. Yeah. And for me, like, it's not, I can't, Can't. I can't blame it all on Hillsong because it's not like I went, I mean, I went to Hillsong because a lot of that programming was already there. Right. Like I think back and I'm like, I remember being like, maybe like 20, 20 22, 23. And that's when I feel like I made the decision for myself, you know, cause I mean, I grew up Christian and I never, I never had the big falling away. I never like, I was, I was a good kid and I was doing the right thing. Um, but it wasn't until I was like, yeah, 23. when I was like, no, I'm choosing this for myself. I do. I do want to lean into this and yeah, I think this is the right thing. And you know, yeah, I'm choosing this. And now I look back and I'm like, what other choice could I have made? I was so programmed I didn't know anything but this Um, and then even you know going to Hillsong because like you said they were music and they were the best best in the world literally right so I'm gonna go and do that but then you know that was also because I never even gave myself a chance to see if I could like make it in the world right because it wasn't even really an option Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because
1: we're were supposed to be, what is it? Be in the world, but not of it. uh,
0: Right. Yeah. So if you have that kind of gift, you have to use the only
1: place for you. You can't, you can't do anything outside. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: You can't because you go into the world. You're going to backslide right on away. Right. Right. Exactly. 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 So, yeah. So, you know, so we're already we're in this situation because we've already been built for this. Yeah. Um, So then you get there. And then for me, it was like, oh, well, this is this feels this feels like freedom to a certain extent, because it was so different from the kind of church that I grew up in. And, you know, like I remember being shocked, like when you walked into Hillsong and in the like the lobby And they've got secular music playing. Right. Right.
1: I remember being shocked when I heard somebody on the platform where somebody who was like in leadership said damn. I was like, Right, yeah. I was like, they said it on purpose too. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I remember I remember that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so being like, oh, this place, you know, you know, and talking talking to talking to the press now and they're you know telling my story over and over again and so having to think about it and like just being like oh my god like that was crazy <laughs> and like trying to and like I've given up at this point I'm, like, I'm not even trying to justify it because I knew what I knew at the time like I you know what you know when you know it right. I didn't know any better this seemed it right. seemed like the right thing um and you know someone was asking me yesterday she's like what would you like what would you tell? What would you tell her now? Like if you go back in time, what would you tell yourself then? And I was like, I wouldn't tell that dumb dumb anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, she right. had to. She had to go through that. Like she had exactly. to. For me to be who I am now. Exactly. Like I can't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change a thing. Like I can't take any of it away. And exactly. um, as much as sometimes I wish man, I wish I could have woken up earlier and noticed earlier. And I'm like, that's just not my story. I wasn't, I was built the way I was built. I was programmed the way I was programmed. And so now I have to be like, it's a miracle that I got out at all. Preach, preach. Honestly,
1: I, I, I agree. I mean, I agree because thinking about it, I don't know how I did. Right i don't i don't actively remember making the decision oh, i'm done like this is awake oh sleeper i don't remember that happening <laughs> i don't remember falling out the window you know what i mean i don't remember that
0: yeah, i just woke up on the ground <laughs>
1: Right, right <laughs> i don't i don't remember that and so yeah i get it i get it yeah. but i agree i wouldn't i wouldn't I would not change any of it because it is because of those those every aspect of that journey I now have the ability to maintain my agency to advocate for the people I advocate for and to say no and yeah. not be afraid and not care
0: like, yeah it's like we and we were both walked into it as children locked into it and then yeah just gradually making small escapes as adults
1: (laughs) but but listen that's that's what happens when you and i know i said this to you before that that is who black people are right like we're always not always looking for the exit but we know where they are and we listen i'm gonna make an exit because this is taking my freedom. yeah like, you are harboring me. you are entrapping me. I am in, I am enslaved to this and you are denying me my fuel, my full humanity. And because of that, I, I'm gonna push I'm going to push against this. It yeah. may take me it may take me a minute to figure out exactly what's going on because I want you to be my friend and I want to help you. I want to help you, you know, build this great, this great thing that you keep telling me is going to be. I get to be a part of it. You know, I get to be a part of it. And it's going to be, it's going to be for you and for me. And we're all going to sit together at the table of brotherly love and kindness. And it's going to be great. And you're going to, and then, oh, I'm sorry. I, I know, I know I saw a rope. Uh, attached to that thing over there? Um, Or I I know I saw you uh, pull out a whip and beat the person who looks like me, my friend. Oh, uh, because what? They got out of line Mm -hmm. because they they no longer were going to just obey you automatically because they started to think for themselves. Oh, no, we out. We out. We out. We out. We going to find a way to get out. Even if it is driving into the reservoir, I'm gonna get out. I think, and I and I can joke about it now because obviously it's my own story. But when when you are so trapped, yeah, or you feel so so disillusioned by by what you had invested your entire life in. Right, yeah. you went there with good intentions your heart was in the right place and your dream slowly all the air was slowly let out of your balloon not all at once because I think if it happened all at once then it wouldn't have been like so dramatic right, right. oh today I'm gonna just just turn my car just a little bit into the you know had it been all at once I could have been like oh wake up Ajene you're fine but it was gradual yeah, and the and that's 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 the burden that is oppression you don't see it all at once it it just it's gradual and that's how the devil gets us particularly those of us with mental health issues right like you just slowly slowly begin to lose your bearing mm. begin to lose a sense of reality, begin to lose a sense of, not that you don't want to fight, but this is not, this is not the freedom that I was hoping for, that I was looking for. So I got to find, I've got to find a way out. And that, that is often for some the end, right? Because, because at some point you start. You stop believing that people are actually willing to help you get to your dream because they've
0: abused you so badly, and you know the system is it's set up that way, right? Um, I've been was looking at it's been a couple weeks now, but like Erwin McManus had released he started a clothing line. Um, Listen, yeah. And so someone had sent me a link because he's got this clothing line and he's selling these face, face masks, you know, COVID, all the rage, whatever. But the mask is $250. So like that kind of tells you what kind of price points you're looking at for like his collection. So he's got like coats for like 2000. So, I mean, it's obviously way out of (laughs) my price range. Like, so it's this upscale clothing line, whatever. So he wrote, you know, this little blurb about it. Um, and, you know, oh, this was, a, this was a dream 10 years in the making. And I just got, I just got, like, so mad. Because I was like, how many people, how many people have given up their dreams? And, like, you know, Mosaic is not Hillsong, but it's all the same kind of structure, the same kind of thought process, whatever. And then I'm thinking about, you know, Brian Houston and, you know, You Never Come... Second, am I putting God's house first and all this and the way you use people and basically ask them to give up everything to build the house of God. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, like, how many people have given up their dreams to, like, free you up huh. to pursue, you know, your little side hustle over here? Right. And so, like, you not only are already profiting off of this, this church, profiting off the labor in the backs of these people here, but also you've been freed up to do something that you really want to do while these people have given up things that they really want to do. Mm -hmm. And so I was just thinking like for, for so many of us, you know, and you know, like I said, wouldn't, wouldn't change anything. Wouldn't tell that dumb, dumb thing, but how many, if we're, you know, looking at alternate timelines, how much further could any one of us be Man. in our own career our own ambitions our own aspirations had we been allowed to like value those things and not feel like we had to sacrifice it to the church
1: right 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 I I, 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 I can't mm, gosh I, that that is a very valid question because I would have to think that my entire adult trajectory would have changed had I not been programmed to believe that my own, not my only, but a huge portion of my value was directly tied to the church. Right. And my status as a wife and a mother in said church, not not my advocacy, not my love for people, not my, my kindness, not my humility, not my humanity, but, oh gosh, I mean, it, I I just, it's so true. Like I just cannot even, and then not only that, like not only the things that we didn't know career wise, but just like, in dealing with people who didn't believe like us, you know, like you just, when you are, when you have been brought up in the church, your whole life in an environment that is truly an echo chamber that has told you that anybody who is different, you can't, you can't know them because they may drag you down to where they are as though they are, the scum of the earth because they don't believe. I mean, I just, I think about that and I'm like, Daggone. like, this is why, this is why we are, why we continue to live in the cycles of violence that that is discrimination, that is racism, that is like all the isms and all the uns that we have. Like, this is why, because Because everybody who lives outside of the box that is the church is deviant. Yeah, just automatically. Yeah, automatically. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Mm
0: -mm. Yeah, our friend who liked to slide into my DMs with nonsense, (laughs) um, you know, that was one of the things they said. You know, they were suspicious of Biden because most of their non-Christian friends supported Biden. And so, because you know, non Christians are deviant. The fact that they are supporting this person—that's a red flag. Right. And it's like in but, twenty twenty, bro. This is. But they re-
1: but that said, same persons research show <laughs> research showed that Trump was simply a bad person with good good ideas blowing up the <laughs> blowing up democracy oh that's a good idea okay yeah Hmm. yeah that's a good idea you yes. keep telling me about your your version of jesus in this story yeah because i mm-mm. the jesus i know the god that i serve the god that i know
0: no nah, uh uh-uh. right no yeah it's wild but then that's why my like, it's it's a miracle when anyone gets out. Right. Like the thing that makes me think God is real is like the ability to be like maybe God's not real. The fact that I was able to come to a place to have the freedom to say that. Right. That's a miracle. Uh ah, right. damn, God might be real. <laughs> she is. (laughs) So, so we got out, we made it out. We're still making it out. It was like the journey never ends. And like, I still, still got programming to deprogram. Um, But I guess, what would you say to the people on the edge?
1: I feel like I would say you are on the bank of the river for a reason, right? You you got out of the water that was taking you under or that you had lived submerged in for so long and you walked yourself to the bank for a reason. And that reason that you remain on the bank is the reason why you need to keep walking, right? The reason that you decided that you are no longer going to allow yourself to remain submerged, to be pulled under, to to lose your sense of agency, to lose your balance, to lose awareness of where you were, your place in the world, where you're flailing, where you feel like you're drowning, overwhelmed, blah, blah, blah. That, those reasons... Why you, why you decided to swim towards the shore, and walk away to get your bearing, find your feet again, um, are are the reasons why you need to keep walking away. Because going back is not gonna is not going to change. Because the river is always going to be the river, and and it's always going to be more powerful than what you see on the surface and the undertow the undercurrent is the thing that most people don't see in rivers right and so it's it's that space that you that you truly lose your freedom and may lose your life right so um yeah Uh, that's what I would say to those people on the edge keep walking um there there are many of us who have who have laid the path for you to find to find freedom that that you feel like you that you thought you had as a part of being yeah. in the river right um but there is more <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so that's that. And that's a wrap on episode 2.3. A huge lifetime. Thank you to Ajane for being a friend through and through. I walked away from this episode. Just really, really thankful for the power of friendship and for the ways we are able to strengthen and support each other, even in our own weakness. We don't have to have all the answers or all the information to help each other. We just have to be there to the best of our ability. And as I'm looking around at the people who are there for me, even when they have way more questions and answers about where I am and why I am the way I am, they make me feel safe enough to try and figure out some of those answers for myself. So on the next episode, sliding all the way to the other extreme, I'll be journeying even further into my past with one of my newest friends. So you can try and get yourself ready to talk about reparenting with the wonderful Joe Lumen, but spoiler alert, y'all ain't ready. Anyway... Thank you for listening in on this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, I hope you'll take a moment to jump on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And while you're wandering around on the internet, be sure to follow this podcast at God Is Not Given on the Gram and check out the blog at godisnotgiven.com. Hit the show notes for all the links. Tell your friends, be well, and I will talk to you soon. I am an e. I am, an e. I am an